You should have watched us here in the studio. So, 14 past 7, let's crack into our first story. COP26 is coming up soon in the next week or two, and environment is and remains top of mind. Got to think about it all the time. So, we're going to talk about the story of the car power ship plan. There have been real concerns about it. The gas energy generation licenses were approved despite their environmental concerns around it. But it is important to note that when NOSA gave and approved those licenses, the uh, environmental authorization was not under their jurisdiction. So we need to understand how does this work as we move forward. On the line is Liz McDade. She's the strategic lead at the Green Connection. Liz, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, good morning and good morning to all your listeners. Liz, let's start out with uh, trying to understand what is the car powership plan? Okay, so uh, I think we have to look at what is a car power ship because exactly. everyone yeah. goes, what's that? Um, so basically what we're talking about is is a power station on a ship. Okay. Um, and if you think about an emergency situation where you have an earthquake or you know the whole power grid collapses, then um, you can just easily have the ship sail in and connect to your power grid and suddenly you've got some electricity for like a couple of years while you get your system up and going. But what has been proposed for South Africa is five of these ships scattered around three ports and that they are going to sit there for 20 years. So that's one of the first question marks that arises. Okay, so we're looking at a car power ship which sails in and maybe in a variety of ports around our country and remains for 20 years. Now, what is the impact of these car power ships? So, car power ships run off gas, um, LNG, liquid nitrogen gas, natural gas, um, which means that they are going to be burning fossil fuels. So, here we have a South Africa, which is saying we want a just transition, we want to move away from fossil fuels, and at the same time, on the other hand, we want to sign a deal to create fossil fuels for the next 20 years. Um, why would we do that? And so this is one of the questions. The other thing comes to, obviously, um, with such a project, you need to go through a number of processes and get your permits in line in order to be able to... In order to be able to um, operate, and what we've seen is that in December last year, um, the car power uh, consultants attempted to avoid uh, going through the environmental process, getting some sort of or attempting to get some sort of exemption under COVID rules, which was which was not valid. Um, so that was stopped, and then they were supposed to do a proper environmental assessment. And that's like, you know, without going into a lot of details, the obvious thing is when you have a project like this, you want to make sure that the benefits outweigh the costs. And one of the ways of looking at that is to do an environmental impact assessment. So and then, have we yeah. done the environmental impact assessment? Well, Copper reckons it's done one. We reckon that it was not a very good one. Um 
and the Department of Environment Affairs agreed with us. And so we put in submissions. We said, but you, you know, there's things you're missing here. And the Department of Environment Affairs and Fisheries said, uh, we're rejecting the car power uh, environmental report. Um, car power then appealed, which is their right. And we are now waiting for the minister um, to, Minister of Environment Affairs, to decide whether they get to go ahead or not. And I guess this puts her in a quandary because it's very clear that the energy minister um, seems quite determined to push our country over the brink in terms of fossil fuels. The environment minister is responsible to make sure that we survive and that we have good climate change policies and that we don't um, get ourselves you know, so let's, we, let's, we let's just, um, I read something, it was in the Daily Maverick in April, where uh, the, the author Tony Carney, well, Tony Carney explained that the power ship is, is like a giant kettle. So let describe to me how a power ship operates and what that impact would be on the oceans and the people and the communities around those power ships. So you, what you have is a power station, which is why we call it a floating kettle, because what you've got is um, using gas, burning it, and that you'll create steam and generators and you'll produce power. Yeah. You will take in uh, water, cold water as cooling, you'll put out um, hot water, and obviously it's going to be noisy and it's going to run from early in the morning till late at night. One of the critical Two of the critical things that we raised, which are connected, is one was that they didn't do any meaningful studies on the underwater noise of, of this, such a vessel. And one of those, so the question is why? What's the problem? Um, but this is the, in Soldana, for example, there's a number of small-scale fishing communities that we've been working with over yeah. many years. Um who would suddenly find their livelihoods at risk because if the noise levels disturbed the fishing breeding nurseries or drove the fish away, then those small-scale fishers who have rights, um, their livelihoods would be totally undermined. And so the question would need to be asked is, is the benefit of the floating kettle, you know, is that better than the livelihoods of coastal communities? I understand um, that uh, those floating kettles, as you call them, also would then raise the temperature of the water, and that raising of the temperature would potentially kill off fish as well. So it wouldn't just be underwater noise; it would be, um, it could be above water noise as well, but it could kill off the 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 sea life with the raising of the temperature quite dramatically. Yes, and that all depends on the water temperature in it, uh, around the ship because obviously um, that will disperse. It's very cold water, for example. But anything in the vicinity might be sucked up and, and killed off or the hot water going out would, would um, impact on it. So but it would not be, all in all, it would not be good for the environment and it would not be good for the communities that uh, use the environment, A, to fish, but on a broader level as well, the communities that live in those areas as well. 
No, I would. Uh, that was our contention that this is yeah. not a good deal, and and I think, but more than that, uh, because a number of people will like to need the electricity, blah blah blah. But but there are other ways to generate the electricity, and and that comes down to policies. Yeah. Why are we pushing garbage? Yeah, great, Liz. If people are listening, I mean, I see that Donald has said um, wanted to know about it, and I think uh, it's quite clear, Donald, that it's not good for the environment at all. Liz, if people are interested, how do they respond? How do they become active citizens? Well, the, it's critical that everybody is very keeps an eye on this one. This is one of these join the dots. So we're going to watch uh, over the coming weeks things unfold, and. Um, so keeping yourself informed is the first step to being an active citizen. And secondly, to start supporting the pressure that's mounting through NGOs um, on a um, campaign called Uproot the DMRE, which is to say we need systemic change in the policy department. So okay, Liz, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to jump in because we don't have time and we need to close this. But... Give me something practical. I know what you're saying is like go out and do this, but if I am someone who is living in Kabercha maybe and I don't have immediate access to, for example, the Green Connection, etc., where do I go? What do I what do? What you do right now yeah. in the next two weeks yes. is you go to your local councillor and you start telling them, um, get off your backside and work as a councillor. I'm not going to vote for you unless you, t- you say, <laughs> stop with oil and gas. I love it. Liz McDade, the strategic lead at the Green Connection and focusing on the car powership plants who have had the gener- generation licenses approved, but they are not able to operate commencement with any construction until the Ministry of Environment are involved in that.